0: Back in episode 94 of MobiCast, we showed how Amazon Elastic Container Service, or ECS, makes it easy to inject sensitive data into your containers. However, ECS only injects secrets at container startup. It's up to you to ensure that the container is restarted if secrets are updated. But who wants to manually restart containers? In this episode of MobiCast, John and Chris are back to provide an automated solution to this problem. We show you step-by-step how to leverage CloudWatch events and Lambda to automatically update your container secrets. After listening, you'll be able to automate all things. Well, at least for updating container secrets. Welcome to MobyCast, a show about the techniques and technologies used by the best cloud native software teams. Each week, your hosts, John Christensen and Chris Hickman, pick a software concept and dive deep to figure it out.
1: Welcome, Chris. It's another episode of MobyCast.
2: Hey, John. It's so good to be back. Yeah, good to have you. Chris, are you doing anything next week that's interesting? Hmm. Let me think about that. Am I doing anything? Oh yeah. I'm uh getting onto a plane, um, multiple planes, um, and flying halfway across the world to Brazil, uh, to uh meet up with the team for our annual company retreat down in uh on the beaches of, of, of Brazil. So have, have quite a quite a bit of travel in my in, in store. Um, and uh but looking forward you're to not it. making me feel bad for you chris that's not working <laughs> yeah. oh come on i've, I've got to go i've got like uh i think three different segments um totaling like 30 hours of travel each way so Oof. of course you've got the same the same shindig right yeah, so I yeah um, i guess i'll be there too yeah <laughs> you're gonna come
1: yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. Um, yes, I'm so looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite times of the year, and just love meeting up with the team and kind of do it. It's like we kind of do some of this training that we do for you, our listeners, to the team. Because oddly enough, there not everyone there is rabid MobyCast listeners, so we sort of have to repeat ourselves. <laughs> but uh, for anyone on the team that is listening, thank you. And. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Shout out (laughs) to Faku. Yeah. Okay. So a while back we did sort of a classic episode, classic series on secrets management. We talked about different AWS services and our sort of roll-your-own way of managing secrets. Um, Big part of keeping any application, um, you know, working in a in a with a good security posture in the cloud. Um and you know that we also talked about how things have changed over the years uh with how you manage secrets from sort of like um you know, just I, I guess the big thing that changed them that changed with it is just cloud computing itself. Like it's not no longer one build person who kind of has all the secrets and builds them into the executable that then gets deployed onto machines in your data center, and it's instead like a You know, an orchestration of moving the secrets from a place where they're stored behind lock and key into a running executable. So we talked a lot about that in episode 94 um, and 93. So what we didn't talk about, and we just kind of left as an exercise for the user, is what do you do if you change your secrets? Like, how does your application deal with that? Like, how do you actually make it so that if you change a secret, your application doesn't just fall on the floor? And you know, Chris and I, you were talking. You and I were talking before this episode, and just sort of saying that never gets talked about. Like, always, every tutorial is always about how do, you know. Here's how you store your secrets. Here's how you rotate them. They never talk about the hard part, which is what you do after you change them. Was where are you supposed to go? Like, update a hundred thousand machines. You know, you have a huge deployment. Update a hundred thousand machines with the new secrets. Of course not. it's like, and you also gave the example, Chris, of like. It's, so, it's sort of like when you lose your credit card. like You gotta go to every website that had your old credit card in it and update it to your new credit card, which is just terrible. So yeah, Chris, maybe you can uh, take it away from where I just left us and, and talk about what you're gonna say in terms of dealing with the client
2: side of Secret Rotation. Sure, yeah, and so this is an extension again, of those of those two episodes that we did on secrets management. Um, Again, episodes 93 and 94. And in particular, we went into detail about just how easy it is to have integration with Secrets Management with ECS containerized ap- containerized applications running on ECS. In particular, there's two systems with, of AWS that do Secrets Management. So there's Systems Manager, Parameter Store, as well as Secrets Manager. And both of those integrate in seamlessly with ECS by literally you just You don't even, there's no code involved at all. You just update your task definition file for your container to specify which secrets you want injected into your container. And so one of the things we pointed out during that, though, was like, this only happens at container startup. And so if you make any changes to those secrets after the container is started up, it's the the container's not going to see it, right? So you that's what we left as an exercise to so the reader is like, well, um, you know, how do you deal with changes to secrets? Um, you, you need to do something here and, you know, it a based, you know, it could be something as, uh, as manual as you just go in and, and manually reboot your containers so that they restart up and get the new secrets or, you know, something else, but kind of pointed out, this is one of the, the issues that you'll have to deal with. And as we all know, things, uh, Rotating credentials and secrets is is just part of the best practice, and we we did talk about how these secrets management services, especially Secrets Manager, AWS Secrets Manager, has built-in support for credential rotation. So it's literally like you just you can click a button or you can make a single API call, and it automatically rotates secrets for you. Um, in uh, like for database credentials for connecting to RDS to an RDS database instance. Um, but, you know, as you point out, John is like anybody, your credit can, card number just changed. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can do it. You got to go now. It's like, well, how do you update all your clients? Right. That need, right. that need to know that that changed. And so that, yeah. that becomes like the hard part. Right. So like, this is why we, we actually, we resist doing these credential rotations. Right. Like, Ask yourself now for your applications if you know they're they're making some if they have to connect to like say a database they have to somehow get configured with a database connection string um, and make that connection. Well, how are they getting that configuration information? And what would happen if you were to change the credentials underneath them? Like, how would you deal with that? And so that's not necessarily easy to do, and um, it is work and sometimes it's messy and that's what is kind of like the main sticking point for like why we don't practice this this good good hygiene. So so to, to today's episode we're going to talk about like in particular when you're using secrets management with ECS and your secrets are stored in parameter store or secrets manager, how can you kind of automatically detect when these changes happen and then take action so that your application continues to run seamlessly and is made aware of those changes that were made.
1: Right. And you're so right. Like I, The last time I was r- building some um, serverless code, I remember it was the first time I used Secrets Manager and I remember reading on the screen, like on the AWS console screen, it was like, Oh, click here to automatically rotate secrets. Or do you want this automatic secret rotation? And I was like, oh, yeah, heck yeah, I want that. And then I was like, wait, but what's going to happen if I do that? And after about 30 seconds of reasoning and thinking about it, it was like, oh, mm, I'm just going to do that, worry about that later.
2: <laughs> and I never got to it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So here we get to and, it. and I think,
2: that, you know, and honestly, that's probably like what 99% of people using Secrets Manager. Um, at least initially, will do as well, right? It's like you'll yeah, it's so intriguing. You're like, oh yeah, I want that. But yeah, but I mean, but you'll also you'll see those two radio radio options, and you'll be like, oh, it would be cool to do the automatic uh-huh. rotation. But yeah. <laughs> you know, what's yes. it going to break? And so mm-hmm. I need there's things I need to do. So I'm just going to keep with the you know the manual rotation mm-hmm. um, to start with. Yeah, manual being a synonym for never, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, by the way, I mean, it was the exact same experience I had as well when I started. When I first started using Secrets Manager, it's like I knew, like I can't enable automatic rotation. There's some stuff that I need to do in order yeah. for to to feel safe with turning that on, right? So that's right. that's what we're going to talk about today. Cool. So,
1: what are the few things you need to do to feel safe to turn that on?
2: Yeah. So um, two simple things. <laughs> two simple things. Yeah. And so again, yes. this is in the context of. Where we have a containerized application that's running under ECS. We're injecting secrets into the containers as environment variables through that integration, and we want to be able to rotate those secrets while the containers are running. And so what and we want all this just to work without any um, interaction on our part um, to have a fully automatic solution for dealing with it. And so we're going to talk we're going to describe a technique for doing that. and it's a two- part technique, and it's really just two two things. One is like, Hey, get notified when changes happen to those secrets, and then once we do, we we have been notified, then take an action, um, trigger an action based upon that to go and update our containers. And so it's just two steps. No, but uh, thanks
1: for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. But up up. All so, right, all right. So. Well, first, we're going to take an action.
2: We're going to get notified. I think we have a little bit more to say about that. Sure. Okay. So, so step one, like, how do we? So, we, we need to get notified. Like, we have to know in real time when these changes happen, so that we can then, then do part two, which is respond to them. So, to get notified, we're going to use CloudWatch events, and so we've we've talked a lot about CloudWatch events, kind of informal basis all throughout Mobicast. I mean, it's it's really one of those important key. Backbone components of any cloud native architecture running inside AWS. It's the core for event driven um, processing. Um, right. It came up so
1: much during the well architected framework mm-hmm. episode. That's that's where we really touched on it a lot for people listening.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and more. CloudWatch itself is. Massive, right? Because, because cloud, so we're talking about CloudWatch events, which is literally just one of the bullets underneath CloudWatch as a service, right? So, CloudWatch includes like all the metrics, um, which is a you know a whole thing in and of itself, it's dashboards, it's um, monitoring, it is um, alarms, it is um, logging. Um, I
1: like to think of it as like the Unix core, like. Like little apps, but for the cloud. So it's like, ls. It's like, um, looking at slash var slash log. It's like, um, cron. Like all of those things. Yeah. But for the cloud.
2: Yeah. 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 And it's 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 quite a bit there, right? So um, so we're talking about to this. We're going to be using some CloudWatch events. Um, and so so what are CloudWatch events. And, and really what it is, is it's is, um, it's it's used to deliver and basically a near real-time stream of these pieces of data that describe changes in AWS resources, right? So mm-hmm. they're, it's all about like state changes. Um, and so there are these packets of data that get delivered as, as a real-time stream. Those are the events. Um, and these are being emitted by very uh, by quite a few of the various AWS resources that are um, you know make up the ecosystem. So things like EC2 and ECS and um, uh, Kinesis and like just various all the just the uh, many everything. of the core services. S3. It's not and it, well. It's not everything. Um, so. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But, but oh. it, is, it is quite a bit. Um, cool. And there are um, ways to kind of make it encompass almost everything through other techniques. Um, but, but for now, we're just, let's just think of this as like this near real-time stream of, of these data packets that describe state changes to AWS resources.
1: hmm so you're saying you you cannot pass the certification exam by assuming it's everything, but you can probably get by if you assume it's almost everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, and again, you could you could you could argue that it is everything through um, uh, through other other techniques as well. Sure, so, sure. So it's, it it does give us broad coverage, right? For sure. sure. And so it's for the most part, like if you do want to know about um, something changing, like this is going to be the first place you should look to is is cloudwatch yeah, events right? yeah i think that's a good way of putting it yeah um, so just some terminology we should probably talk about like there's there's kind of like three main components to cloudwatch events and so one is the events themselves right and so we talked about this the event indicates a change in the aws environment um and We talked about this, many of the AWS resources, such as EC2 and ECS and whatnot, will generate these events when their state changes. So they'll emit these events onto that event bus. Um, And then it's also possible for for you to generate your own custom application level events and publish them. So Mm -hmm. it's not just limited to AWS resources. If you want to, you can actually use this as your event bus um, as well Mm -hmm. for your application. So those, so that's events. Um, and a second component are rules. And so rules are pretty important um, because what they do is they ma- they, they, s- they specify a matching of incoming events and then specify how they should be routed to targets for processing, right? So this is the I mean, it's one thing just to s- I mean, you don't just want to see these events, right? You want to actually respond to them. And so rules are the glue that basically says, given this input, this is the action I want to take. Um, and so very, very important when we're working with CloudWatch events is, is to have these rules. Um, and then the third component is targets. Um, so the target is what processes these events um, and there's many different types of targets that are supported by CloudWatch events. Um, there's, I think there's like at least fifteen or sixteen, um, and it continues to grow. Maybe it's like twenty now. It continues to grow. Um, but some like really common use cases for targets are, um, at, as targets are, um, Lambda functions, um, SNS topics, or CloudWatch log groups. Right. These are all so. You know, you have an event that comes in, there's a rule that matches it, and it then gets routed to a target, like a lambda function. Say, hey, lambda function, now take here's this event, and now go take an action with code. Okay. So
1: so just for example, like an event comment might come in, the rule says, Oh, that just needs to be logged, so send it to this log group. Mm-hmm. Another one comes in and it's like, oh, whenever we see that, it's supposed to run
2: this lambda function, so send it to the lambda function. That kind of thing, mm-hmm. yep. Okay, cool. and so rules can actually specify one or more targets, right? So, okay. it, and and those targets will be processed in parallel. So, if you wanted to send it to both CloudWatch and Lambda, you could do that. Um, cool. So, those are the 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 primary components that make up CloudWatch events, um, and we'll be uh, continue to talk about those quite a bit. So, events, rules, and targets. And so, let's talk a little bit about. Okay, what's what are these events? We talked about there, there are these pieces of data that describe these changes um, to AWS resources. Um, so, what are they? And at the end of the day, it is just you know a JSON. They're they're specified as JSON objects, um, and they all have a common top level structure um, to that JSON object. So, this same top level field. So. Um, you know we're not gonna go through what all those fields are, right? But <laughs> they they do have, some some of the important <laughs> ones really are source and detail type. So these are you can always expect that your CloudWatch event um structure is always gonna have a source property and it's gonna have a detail type property. And, okay. and basically the combination of those two fields serves to uniquely identify the emitter of it. Right. Which okay. is which is gonna be important because Keep in mind, like you're you, there's just for every different ty- every different type of AWS resource is an emitter, right? And they all are going to be emitting different types of information, right? So like, if EC2 is reporting a state change to a to an EC2 instance, well, that information is going to be different than if ECS is reporting a state change to a um, ECS task, right? They right they look different. There's different data there, so there's going to be I'm, well, I just want to say and going back to what we're trying to do,
1: we're trying to know when a secret changed or got rotated mm-hmm. so we and we're going to do something on our ECS cluster when that happens. And we don't want to do something to our ECS cluster when a new file got added to an S3 bucket. We don't care about that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So these event structures um they have the 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 common top-level fields which basically allow you to say okay, I can uniquely identify who the emitter is, and then there's a detail property in that top-level field, and that is where the emitter puts all their custom fields, right? That's that's almost assuredly where you're going to be extracting data out of to understand like what this event, what happened with this event, right? Mm -hmm. So, something to keep in mind is like. That you're going to, you'll be, when you start working with this, you'll be, it'll hit you like a ton of bricks. Like you're going to have to like, well, what does this detail property look like? Um, is going to be one of the first problems that you're going to be faced with. Um, right. So it's like, cause you can't, okay. how do you, how do you even deal with it? Um, mm-hmm. Right. If you don't know what it looks like. So you need to know what that scheme is, what that structure is to it. Sure. And it's yep. going to be, again, it's going to be different for every emitter. Um, uh-huh. So, you know how do you how do you figure that out? And so there's there's definitely a few different ways, right? So you can look for in, in documentation. So in some of the AWS documentation um, for you know various AWS resources, you'll kind of see like examples of like okay, here's what a what a what a CloudWatch event looks like when emitted by this particular resource. So you you may find some information there. Um, you may find. Um other resources, like showing like um the sample code or 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 just tutorials or whatnot um might be a good um, place to find it. Uh, you ask chris excuse me you could ask Chris <laughs> yeah, you could ask Chris um no, don't ask me uh, <laughs> 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 but I guess what I'm trying to get to is that like. It would be nice to have like this one place where you could go to, where you could say like, "Okay, here's my AWS resource, and I want to know exactly what it, what this looks like. Like, show me an example of it." And that really doesn't exist. Um, Hashtag think, AWS <laughs> wishlist. <laughs> well, okay, so they're kind of working on. it. So this maybe this might be a good a good time to do a little bit of a of a segue. Um, and you know, John, you and I were talking about this the other day um, a little bit. Uh, And it's kind of like this, you know, you you were expressing like this, um, uh, just, yeah, like this, (laughs) this fact that like, man, there are so many different types of event buses, right? And, and Mm -hmm. patterns, these, these, these event driven patterns. And so you have, yeah, I mean, you
1: just explained to me the features of, of CloudWatch events and it's like, hmm, there's another AWS service that works awfully similarly, And I could probably use it for a lot of the same stuff. Like, how do I choose which one to use and when? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm talking about SQS, SNS, um, you know, even Kinesis you can use for Mm -hmm. as an event bus. Like uh, Kafka. Hey, why don't I use Kafka? Like, there's so many ways of moving events around in
2: AWS. Yep, indeed. And so it's, you know, they they all. They all came about for various different reasons and, and specializing in particular use cases. Yeah, um, one reason, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> money. money. They're all there for the money. The money, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's all about money. But <laughs> yes, they also have like actual product reasons. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's right. Yes, S S (laughs) S S Q S is the big money man for A W (laughs) S, right? Um, Right, right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, So, okay. So, uh, so we have all these different types of event buses and whatnot. Um, Part of it is is also just like okay, like let's be real. It's it's about history. It's like you know, started off with you got to have something. Um, So you know, A W S first S Q S is the grandfather of them all. And just started off with just like a simple message queuing system, right? And then like, oh, we need something like more real-time that could support different types of um, uh, fan-out um, capabilities, right? So SNS came into play, right? Because it could do fan-out. Um mm-hmm. and and like and, and, vice, and Then we had CloudWatch events, right? And so CloudWatch events became like this core platform for dealing with AWS resources. It really wasn't to start off with. it, was, it wasn't possible to publish events, custom events on right. the bus, right? Yep. Like it was really just like, okay, tell me what's happening in cloud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's 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 definitely evolved and whatnot. Um, we're now at the point where you know this is what AWS is um, launched in two thousand six i think or so right so we're you know they're 13 13 14 years old mature now in this this process um and um you know it can they can take a more comprehensive view so so there is a new service that they launched last year called event bridge and this one's is interesting. It's also kind of confusing. I think AWS really has the um, their work cut out for them in kind of educating people on on what this is. Because really, at the end of the day, like the end goal is like CloudWatch events is going to be renamed EventBridge, um, mm-hmm. but they have to slowly do this because if they just did it, it would just confuse the heck out of everyone. Right, because so right, many people. but it are,
1: has already. Right, it, it, it sort of doesn't matter. I, but the the nice thing is, at least the people that are using CloudWatch events, they they don't feel like they just got their their world their rug pulled out from under them. So I think that that's where they wanted to avoid the confusion.
2: And kind of like but the same t- like if you ask like ninety percent of CloudWatch event users, like what's EventBridge, they'll say I don't know. <laughs> Right, right. right. Yeah, and so I'm the, seeing
1: that play out in real time on this Slack group that I'm a part of, where there's a lot of AWS conversation. People mm-hmm. have no idea. Right. They're, they're not sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and I think again, this kind of like by design um on AWS's part, because if they really put this front and center and and really highlighted it, it would just confuse the heck out of everyone. So, I get. I mean, the takeaway here is that Event Bridge is kind of the evolution of CloudWatch events. It it represents the extension of CloudWatch events to now not just be for AWS resources, but for to be any kind of um, bus that you want, um, and and multiple buses. So not just the system bus for AWS resources, but like say, if you have a SaaS application and you want it to have its own bus for having these events that are published that folks can then write rules for and then take actions on, um, you can use it for that. So it's this um, uh, much more extensible system, not just for AWS um, software and, and resources. It's for basically anything. Um, and so it's the next evolution of, of CloudWatch events. And it is going to be, all this is going to co- come under the umbrella of EventBridge, it, but it is going to be a, um, a gradual Process right, like they again, they have their 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 work cut out for them from just a user education mm-hmm. standpoint of like yes, how do they, they how do yeah. they introduce this change, right? And so we're kind of in this middle area, this gray area where event bread event bridge does exist. It's actively being worked on, and features are being added. Um, and but cloudwatch events still exist. Nothing's really. Changed with that, like you can still go to the CloudWatch console and click under Events and see your events there, and create events and update events, and and create rules and targets and whatnot. So, uh, but keep I guess keep in mind, like one of the things you will run into is that these are at the end of the day they're the same thing. Um, so if you create a an event uh, event rule. And under CloudWatch, if you were then to go into the EventBridge console, you would see that same event rule in nice. EventBridge, right? So it's it's it will show up as both an EventBridge rule and as well as a CloudWatch event rule. So with the exact was, you get a <laughs> the exact same information, right? So so be aware of that. Um, yeah, you're also you may notice that um, so EventBridge is. Underneath the event bridge brand, they are continuing to evolve that and add features and so Feature. there's yeah so there's some additional there's there's additional new features now um in um event under the event bridge brand that ex- just extends the capability of like rules right and the ability to write rules and in particular around pattern matching and whatnot um you won't see that advertised underneath the CloudWatch Events brand. So
1: is that clever marketing, Chris? Like, Is that the whole point? Like, okay, we're going to keep them both, but really, uh, EventBridge is, is what it is. It's the new thing. That's where we're trying to push people. Instead of having like a, you know, hey, everybody, come learn about EventBridge. Like, hey, it's all going over to EventBridge. Instead of that, it's sort of like, oh, you want that feature? <clears throat> Go down the hall. It's a vent bridge. Like, go check that out. That's where it is. Mm-hmm. Like, is that the is that the idea? Is that the sort of like
2: marketing um, channel for this? Like, I think yeah. I mean, social? I think that they have to do that, right? Otherwise, it's yeah. it's, it's it's even more confusing because if if you right. now have to kind of like publish like these these changes to two different things, um, just like this. Could you? I mean, just think about like in the what's new listing for AWS. So the the first one says. Now, you know, regular expression matching for, for event patterns event EventBridge. And then underneath of it, now, regular expression match, matching for <laughs> event rules in CloudWatch events. Right, right. right? Yeah, that like, would be, yeah. it would be really weird um, and confusing. Mm-hmm. And, and it would just make it so that they really could never deprecate the one for the other one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, I mean, this will definitely be the pattern going forward. Like, the thing to keep in mind, though, is that at the end of the day, EventBridge is CloudWatch events. So, yep. And it's using Plus. the exact same APIs. Um, it's the exact same services it's using. It's just, again, that, that rebranding of it to represent the fact that it's extending the use cases so it's not just for the AWS system bus. It's for extending that to other types of applications and SaaS services.
1: Right. And don't we computer people like to say that Cl- uh, EventBridge is a superset of CloudWatch events? Is um, that how we like to put it? That's how we like to
2: put it. Yeah, but the thing, like, so just to to, to be a little to bit, poke pe- at that? a little yeah, bit to of pedantic, pedantic, is that it's not <laughs> actually a superset. It's it's literally just a renaming. Um, the super, no, but it's a, isn't it a superset though? Like,
1: like it doesn't give you the ability to have your own buses and stuff that you can't do with CloudWatch events. So, like, CloudWatch events is the is like that's your old bus. Hey, your old bus is still there in the new brand, and you get to make these new buses so that's that's how I'm seeing it as yeah i
2: mean site. it it's really it, like you can think of it as like it's it's one additional um you can think of it maybe it's like one additional API that just says create event bus um, uh-huh right, but
1: super sad.
2: it's <laughs> sure, it's plus one, right? <laughs> it's, uh,
1: but I yep. think it, it, it's, My old set had six things in it, and my new set has seven things plus those same, you know, and the six were the same from the old set. Yeah. I think that's how you define a superset. Sure. All right, the, so it, let's, now let's that I'm that. right and I won that argument.
2: <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's do this. It's a superset as long as you use events other than AWS resource events. If you're using AWS resource events only, then it's they're identical. There's no difference okay. whatsoever. Which by the way, I think is gonna be like the most common use case, right, for most folks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, fair um, enough there. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, so so just something to keep in mind. Um, there's these two things: event bridge, cloud watch events. At the end of the day, under the covers, it's the exact same things same api same services that are that are driving it it's just that going forward EventBridge will be the the brand um that it's under and just keep in mind you'll find both these will exist in the console in two different places um but when you create something in one location it's going to be updated in the other one and vice versa cool and that said you'll also run into some some uh Inconsistencies between the two. So, um, and when you do defer to EventBridge, EventBridge is the one that is probably going to be um, more um, actively updated. Um, and so, if you have problems with the CloudWatch Events console, you can you can use EventBridge. And in particular, talking about some of the the um, the extensions to uh, pattern um, to to patterns and rules. Um, to have some, some more complicated filtering. Um, you can't actually do that through the CloudWatch Events Console, but it, it'll fail validation. But the exact same thing will go through on the EventBridge Console, or it will also go through on an API call to CloudWatch. Um, it just it won't go through the console. So it's just kind of representing the fact that the CloudWatch Events Console UI is behind in what's really possible there. We cover
1: a lot of information here on MobyCast, And if you've ever wanted to go back and remind yourself of something we talked about in a previous episode, it can be hard to search through our website and transcripts to find exactly what you're looking for. Well, now it's a lot easier. All you have to do is go to mobycastfm slash show notes and sign up. We'll send you our weekly super detailed outline that we use to actually record the show. A lot of times this outline contains more information than we get to during our hour on the air. So sign up. And get weekly MobiCash cheat sheets to all of our episodes delivered right to your inbox.
2: All right. So I think we've totally covered CloudWatch events versus versus a event bridge. But maybe just moving on. We we talked about so we 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 have these these CloudWatch event structures and that's part of what led to this digression is like you need to understand, like, okay, given um, a particular event from an emitter, like what what is it what is this custom detail property look like because that's really the I need to be able to extract that information to 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 take an action against it. So how do you determine what that event structure looks like? Um, and so we talked about like, okay, you can go try to find examples of it in documentation or tutorials or whatnot. Um, event and this is where part of this came to, so event bridge is trying to fix a part of this with something they're calling the schema registry. And mm-hmm. so this is where they're using the open API spec to describe the structure for events that are emitted um, by these services, right? And, and having this registry there in EventBridge. Um, so it does exist. If you go to the EventBridge console, you can go into the, to the schema registry and, and, and take a look around. There's a bunch of ones there for the AWS resources. You can create your own for, ones that, for events that you create for your, for your own application. Um But it is open API, um, which means that it's all these 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 structures are expressed um, and you know it's it's pretty it's pretty complicated um, and really, at the end of the day, like not too terribly easy to read. Um, you can download language bindings for these, so mm-hmm. you can get language bindings for like Python and JavaScript and java um, I did it for just one of the events and it ended up being like um, eight files of jo- of TypeScript code oh, for like this one event, right? So right, yeah. um, it. I have so many opinions about <laughs> Open API that I'm just
1: not even going to bring up on this episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so so just no, it is out there, but like it's and it, but it a couple things is one it's really um, heavy handed. Um, it's pretty complicated and it, and it may be just, it's a lot more than probably what you need. And then the other thing is that it's not comprehensive. So it's not, doesn't, there's not a um, uh, schema registry entry for every event that AWS emits. So like, in, like for example, like I looked to see if they had one for the parameter store um, events for when a parameter store value is updated and that is not in the schema registry under mm-hmm. Event Bridge, right? So, mm-hmm. so no luck there. So, so here's my my recommendation for what to do is to to see like what the event structure looks like. Go ahead and and create a rule for the events that you want to trap, and for the target, just send them to CloudWatch Logs. And so now when you go and take an action that's going to generate one of those events, just go to the log group for that, that you've set up as the target, and just look at the log, and the log will dump the, the actual event. So you'll be able to have your own example of like what that event structure looks like, and now you'll be able to, to see that, save it away, um, and use that as your template as you go forward now and write your real target, which is probably going to be something like a Lambda function.
1: Yep, and so I'll just share my one opinion about all of this, is that all of the schemification of XML or JSON or whatever you want in the world is never going to prevent developers from doing exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're going to want to look at examples and write your code around those examples. That's just what people do.
2: Yep, yep. Well, and that's why, <laughs> I mean, console log and printf, <laughs> yeah. like... I mean it's it's that's what happens. That's what that's what we
1: do. We don't sit around reading mm -hmm. schema documentation. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um so we've talked about um events, the structure, um kind of like how to now figure out what the structure looks like for it. So like and again, kind of given an example, like if I wanted to know like what a secrets manager um CloudWatch event looked like when I updated a secret, um I would go and create this CloudWatch rule for that. Um, and then in the Secrets Manager console, I could just go and change, go in and edit my, my value to make it something different. And then I could go to that CloudWatch log group for that rule um, and then look and see, okay, here's, here's the structure of that. Like what does that detail property look like and what is Secrets Manager emitting? And then that gives me my roadmap now going, going forward. Um, so just wanted to talk briefly the the one last piece to this um, we've kind of glossed over is just so we so the rule is important that's that glue that connects up the input matches fine, matches against a particular event that you're looking for and then it routes it to a target um, so really the 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 guts of that is doing the event pattern specifying the event pattern and so the event pattern is a another json Object and you're going to basically um, specify what fields you want to match against inside mm-hmm. that um, that event pattern. And so, in the CloudWatch Events console, you'll get sample templates based upon what you um, what service you're, um you want to integrate with. And so, if if a AWS service is emitting CloudWatch events natively. You'll see it in the dropdowns there in the CloudWatch console. So like for um, parameter store, it's listed underneath the, like the EC2 SSM service. And so you can pick that, and then there's a subtype there to say, oh, I want this for parameter store, and you can pick that. And then you can further drill down and say, oh, I want to do this for updates um, or store, parameter store changes. And so when you mm-hmm. do that, it's going to give you like here's your event pattern. And really what it's going to be is it's like we talked about that source and the detail combination, those two properties kind of uniquely a- identifies the emitter. And so that's what will be output for you for the event pattern. So the raw event pattern will be like the source is equal to aws.ssm and the detail type is parameter store change. And so that becomes your pattern, your event pattern, that says, like, for this particular rule, any event that comes across where the source is that value and the detail type is that value, that's a match. And now route it to the target. So this is going to be, you know, the crux of your rules is defining these event patterns to, to find it. And you can extend these, right, to drill down even further. So like for, um, for this particular example, if we're looking at parameter store changes, I may just only care about the update actions, right? So that's going to be something now that's stored in the detail property, which I'd be able to see by looking at the CloudWatch logs if I just wired this up like we talked about. Um, and then I can say, oh, I can extend my event pattern to now be where in the detail property, the operation is update, and now, my event rule will only fire when there's update operations on parameter store changes in SSM
1: right and I can imagine you can go even deeper than that because maybe you only care about specific parameter changes
2: absolutely so you can say like I only care about this particular this particular named parameter right mm-hmm. um, yep, so again, you just depend on your use case um, the, what it ends up being is is it's for me like the realization um the aha realization was, is like, you can, this is just field matching. And so as long as the fields exist in the event, then you can filter on those fields in your event pattern. Right? So it's not like, you don't have to like wonder like, well, what, what, what fields can I filter on? It's like, well, you can filter on any field as long as it's. And so, and it's at the end of the day, like CloudWatch event rule, it's just going to say like, it's, whatever properties exist in the event pattern they have to exist in the event and they have to match in the event in order for that whole thing to match so you can be as specific as you want or you can you know you can be as broad or as narrow as you want on your on your pattern matching but it's something just to to keep in mind the other thing to keep in mind too is that when you're doing it through the cloudwatch console like this is the matching is going to be exact and it's going to be basically string matching so you can't easily do things like wildcard matching. Um, you know, like with um, Parameter Store, we have this concept of hierarchies, um, where you can you can refer to a to a hierarchy with the with the star wildcard. Um, so, like if I have my um, um, you know credentials slash environment, so like credentials slash production or credentials slash development, um, then after that I can do slash star, and that just means like give me all of the parameters that are in the production environment versus give me all the ones that are in the development environment that kind of ma- you can't do that kind of matching here in the event pattern okay it's straightforward right you can actually do it through kind of the event bridge enhanced way but I'm we're not going to go there today because it's that's a whole another topic of, of how to do that
1: um, in Spanish they call it super set <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Oh dear, uh, okay. we should we should just rename this this episode. <laughs> Superset. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah so so that is the event patterns. It's a key part of the rule, um, and you're doing this 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 matching. So with that, um, so with our particular ECS containerized application that's using secrets management with both parameter store and secrets manager we could have two rules set up one for capturing the the events that are emitted by parameter store um and then another one that's that's emitted by secrets manager i think i mean you could probably theoretically have a single rule and kind of do it for but it, it gets a little bit messy mm-hmm. so you probably mm-hmm. want to have sure. two different rules right because it's again you're going off that source and detail type As the combination, the tuple that's going to uniquely identify what the emitter is. Um, Right, it's sort of like the
1: difference between can you do two things in one line of code, or can you just make it two lines of code? I would say make it two, make Mm -hmm. it easier for people to track down what things are and how they work. Yeah.
2: Well, actually, I'm thinking more about it now. It's like it—you wouldn't be able to do anything, any kind of. any matching on the detail portions, right? Because remember, uh, if, if it's right, in the pattern, so. it has to ex- exist in the event, and so you would run into the details problems. are going to be
1: way different between yes. the two. Yeah,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you'd run into problems with that. So uh, something to keep in mind here. So with with parameter store, it natively does emit CloudWatch events. So you will, when you go to create a rule, you'll find that in the drop downs and kind of build up your pattern with that for you automatically. With Secrets Manager, it doesn't um, natively emit um, uh, CloudWatch events, which is a little bit of a surprise to me, right? Because it's newer than mm-hmm. um, yeah. Parameter Store; it's it's rather new. Um, so I was kind of surprised to see that it doesn't natively emit CloudWatch events. Um, but what it does do is it obviously CloudTrail can monitor API calls to Secrets Manager. And there is this bridge between CloudTrail and CloudWatch events, so you can get CloudWatch events generated from Secrets Manager by going by way of CloudTrail. And so this this will be an option when you go create your rule. You'll see Mm -hmm. like, oh, I can select Secrets Manager, but when I select Secrets Manager, it's going to say the only particular operation I have there, the only the only detail type I have is CloudTrail. And so, so you just need to have CloudTrail enabled um, on your account. Um, and I think just the default level of CloudTrail is probably good enough. You don't even need to create a, a trail because the trail itself is for persistence of events past um, X number of days. Um, oh, okay. So you may not even need to do that. Um, not totally sure. But, but just realize Secrets Manager is... The CloudWatch events are being captured by way of CloudTrail, and so it's it's log, CloudTrail is logging those API calls to Secrets Manager, and then emitting the CloudWatch events. And so that's you're going to be looking at um, in your event pattern there for Secrets Manager. You're gonna the source is going to be Secrets Manager, and then the detail type is going to be CloudTrail. Actually,
1: how complex that is just kind of blows my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and it reminds me of a of a thing that I'll try to link to in the show notes, which is an old spoof of the switch to Mac commercials. And it was it was a switch to Linux commercial from like twenty years ago. And it was like this guy saying how easy it is. It's just so easy. Um and he's talking about configuring his his parameters and recompiling his kernel. Um <laughs> And it's just so easy, it just works. Just and so, so maybe I'll try to find that little episode and, and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Because that is not, e- don't forget, you have to get your CloudWatch events through CloudTrail. Like, by the way, <laughs> like, there's this whole service we're not even going to talk about in this episode yeah. that you have to use to get these. Yeah.
2: Which, again, I mean, we, you know, we talk about this all the time about just how complicated things are getting and just mm-hmm. how much you need to know. And so, like, we're talking about something that conceptually, at the end of the day, like we said, this is this is a two-step process, right? It should be really easy, like get notified, mm-hmm. take action. And mm-hmm. we've now talked about CloudWatch events. We've talked about EventBridge. We're now talking about CloudTrail. We have Secrets Manager and Parameter Store. Like, then that's just the that's just like the core stuff. We're not even talking about like the periphery of things, like. KMS and IAM and the roles that you need for all this stuff as well, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it 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 is. There's there's a lot there to cover. And um, you know, it's uh it just I think you know, a, a good takeaway there is just like make sure that you really understand some of these fundamental things. Like it's really important because it's gonna pay off in spades as you go forward, right? It's kind of you're building up that foundation that makes this stuff easier, or at least reachable, as you go mm-hmm. and, and and take on new things and try to build new things, right? If you don't under like, you know, if you don't really understand, like KMS and IAM and um, uh, you know, just like CloudWatch events in general, like how it works, like going forward, it's gonna be really hard to do. Anything else, other other than you'll just be like looking for examples of like co- you know copy paste, um, and not right. really understanding. And that is works. like
1: so like how could you trust any system that you just copy
2: pasted and didn't understand? Yeah,
1: like you wouldn't. Yeah. like that that guarantees you're going to spend a weekend, you know, up all night, you know, making your family upset with you as you try to actually learn the stuff you were supposed to learn before you put the code to production. Yeah, um, and and just one other thing, like I mentioned the Slack earlier, the Slack group that I'm a part of, where people are, don't really know about EventBridge. One somebody yesterday wrote, for nearly a complete noob, is there a good concise document describing best practices for setting up AWS accounts or AWS IAM policies for employees and contractors? Question mark. Even better if it's accompanied by a CF or TF file. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I ended up helping the guy, but my first response was, "LOL, no." <laughs> Of course, there's not that. There's like a hundred different ways to set that up, and they're all you know varying degrees of best practices. So it's, just, it's all hard. Yeah. yeah, their
2: policy make everyone admin.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's actually that's what my suggestion was. I was like, <laughs> oh, you're starting a startup. Like, you're there's so much you're going to need to learn that like don't make don't make, your, don't make it harder on yourself. Like, learn that stuff later. Figure out the rest of AWS first, and then figure that out because like you've got too much to do. Like if he if he were to make a, um, I'm really going on a tangent here, but if he were to make a multi-account, you know, managed with Cloud Tower, set up for himself, like nobody would ever get anything done because they would be so stuck in the mud of like of this whole uh, IAM setup that they don't even understand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we did step one. We got notified that something happened. Now we just now this is fortunately the easier part is doing something about that notification
2: it it is although um so okay so take action so we we so yeah. now we know hey something changed you know parameter that we care about has changed in parameter store or a secret that we care about has changed in secrets manager we've got this cloudwatch event we have this rule that triggers on it um that matches on it and then now it triggers an action we started off with just sending this to CloudWatch log so we could see the schema of it. Now that we know the schema, we've saved it away. We can now change the target to now be a Lambda function, right? So now this gives mm-hmm. us the ability to go and actually have some, some code, right, to customize mm-hmm. like, how we want to deal with this. Um, I will point out like, again, AWS continues to expand the types of targets and make sure you look at the targets that are supported because it may be you don't even need to write a Lambda code. Right to do this, Um, so like there are actually that sounded so not softwarey of you to call it a lambda code, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, just like there are there are targets for things like um, ECS task, like if you want to run an ECS task. that actually is just natively uh, supported as yeah. a target. Like you don't need any code whatsoever. So you don't need to write a Lambda function that goes and makes ECS API calls to run task. Um, you know, you can just it's it's all right there. Like it's the, the glue code's already been written for you and you can just choose it from a drop down and then fill out mm-hmm. basically a form to say like, okay, what's the task definition file you want to use for running that task, right? And some of the, mm-hmm. the parameters around it. So they're going to continue and, to expand. Yeah, and given that this is
1: given that this is like a probably going to start to be a well-worn path that people will fight their way through between secrets manager, key rotation, and then doing something in ECS or Fargate. Like, yeah, definitely look at those that list because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if if little pieces of this start to get pulled together tighter and tighter. Yeah. Less less manual work. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I mean, and that was one of the things I looked at. It's like because in particular, I wanted to be able to. um make a update service call to ec through the ecs api right so mm-hmm. cuz okay so that's the action we want to take here right so if a, if if a particular secret changes basically we're just going to restart our containers and to restart our containers we just need to make a call to the ecs api for update service and set the parameter for force deployment to be true right and so what that does it just it doesn't require a new task definition file or anything like that, it's going to reuse the the same the existing task definition file, but it's just going to go through and stop containers um, and then restart them, right? Which is exactly kind of what we want in this case. So again, this is the no code solution to dealing with with secrets changes. Um, mm-hmm. We could. Um, if 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 we weren't using the ECS integration like and specifying this as um, ARNs in our task definition file and having them injected as as environment variables, but instead we were accessing it via the raw APIs, then we could do something a bit smarter here, where we could actually receive events inside our application when these changes happened, and then just. Update it inside our application, so like you know, keep track. Like if we're doing a connection pooling or something like that, um, we could make sure that the connection string is now using the right credentials, right? And that would require sure. that wouldn't require a reboot of our service, right? Right. But that's right. much more complicated, right? It it requires you know quite a bit more um, code and the ability to change that code. Um, so this is the route of hey, we're not going to change any code. It's a little bit of a sledgehammer, but it turns out like there's no downtime here, um, and you know we're not going to change these secrets that often. So even though it feels like a hammer, it still feels like it's actually the right solution. I'd still recommend. I would recommend this right for for folks in this situation. So the event that we want to take is we would just want to make this call to ECS to update the service. Um, that's not one of the supported targets in um, CloudWatch events um, or EventBridge. So we do need to have a Lambda handler to do this. And so that's what we need to do is we'll we'll create a lambda function and inside that lambda function it's going to be receiving the 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 cloudwatch event as one of its parameters and yep. then it can um, you know inspect that event, make sure like this is the the event that should trigger a a um, a reboot of the containers. And then it's literally just wiring up, making the call to ECS API to say update service with my my force deployment parameter set to true, and I'm done. So it's it's literally just a few lines of code inside of inside of a Lambda function um, to now do this this reboot. And it's that's now all that said. Like if you haven't written a Lambda function before, and there's a lot of steps there, like with just, you know, what you know. You need to have IAM role set up correctly for it. It needs to have permissions to be able to make calls to like ECS. Um, mm-hmm. And where are you going to put that function even in your in your repository yes. to make sure that people yep. know that it's there? Yeah, yep. lots of stuff to think about. Exactly right, and then logging around it and um, everything else. So. But we're obviously we're not going to go into that in details now because that would be another another episode or two. um, Yes, you know for sure. But you know at the end of the day, that's what it ends up being. is, Is it's just pretty pretty simple. It's a few a few lines of code inside your lambda function to go invoke this API call, and your your containers are rebooted. And so it's it's easy as step step one and two, right, John? (laughs) As
1: <laughs> easy as step one and two. I mean, I guess we were going to talk through, and we we should hopefully get through this in a few minutes, but basically I kind of get that, but I just have questions. Like, okay, I can go restart the ECS service, but I mean, while that's restarting, you said there's no downtime, but uh, but my database credential changed. Didn't I just lose my whole database pool? Like, what if what if you know the moment the secret gets rotated there's still requests coming in and they were they're trying to get to the database but the the key changed mm-hmm. so
2: what happens mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it just it just depends on so i mean maybe we just like so put it all together now like um so i kind of went through this process for my own personal blog site and so it is um it's running the ghost application for for blogging which is a Node.js application that's containerized run on ecs it uses mysql a MySQL um database as an RDS instance um, mm-hmm. for persistence, right? And so it's mm-hmm. using Secrets Manager for the database, basically the database connection string, right? Mm-hmm. And so yep. that gets injected as an environment variable um upon container startup for the the Ghost application. There's a little bit of bootstrap code there that from that environment variable it it um Configures Ghost the way that it wants to be configured for a database connection string, um, and then and then away it goes. Um, and so now, and then I've set up automatic credential rotation in Secrets Manager for those RDS credentials. And so, you know, what happens there is whenever it's time for the credentials to be rotated, um, Secrets Manager goes and updates the secret, generates a new secret. Right. The yep. CloudWatch event is now emitted onto the system of us. Um, I have my CloudWatch event rule that's pattern matched on these particular events. Um, So that fires and invokes a lambda. Um, The lambda function then makes that ECS API call to force the new deployment. And then I've set up my service properties on the ECS service such that the minimum number of tasks is set to 100%. And the max is set to two hundred percent of the desired, okay. right? So, yep. like, I think it's I, I only need one task running. Um, so, I have the desired set to one task. I set the minimum to one hundred percent, the max to two hundred percent. And so, when I do that force update, what's going to happen is ECS is going to create a new task running mm-hmm. the container, right? That's going to get the new credentials. From Secrets yep. Manager and make this connection. And then once that's up and running and reports healthy, it then kills the old one. Sure. And so you probably do have this this small, small window where if you're still running the old one and requests come in and a new connection to the database has to be made,
1: then that's, that's going to fail. The- Key right there. That that last little thing you said. So if there's existing connections to the database, when the secret changes, they're still they still work.
2: They don't get they're still gonna work, right? Because they've already already connected, right? They're not gonna they don't need to re they they authenticate when they're connecting to the database. Mm -hmm. Once the connection's open, right? There's it's not continually reauthenticating. So it'll be fine as long as the connection's open. It's only if once it... if you have to establish a new connection so you know chances are your application is doing things like connection pooling and it's got a pool of these connections and so even if you do have a request coming in to say oh i need to go you know make this connection to the database it may be reusing something that's already in the pool um how long you know again this window is is is. It doesn't have to be long at all. Um, Again, depending on how you've set up your service, like mine, I have it set up so it's within about 60 seconds um, uh, that that old container is going to be is going to be expired. So it's it's a very very small window here for that, and so which is you know it's pretty good, right? It's pretty good bang for the buck considering that we didn't have to write any code.
1: Right, yeah. yeah, except for that, yeah, that lambda code, except for the lambda code, yes, <laughs>
2: yes. the lambda function yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. cool, yeah. well, yeah, that's pretty cool i we definitely left that as an exercise for the user at the end of the secrets management thing, and um, I kind of had this like weight on my shoulders that that was not you know that's like a classic exercise for the user, like in the math book, it's like, hey. When you're at home, you should try proving that one plus two equals three. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do that um so yeah, a big yeah. one, and it's good to finally talk it through and and to see that it is big it is hard and um a w s has a lot of pieces in place to help you do it without much code, but uh you know, just understanding how those pieces all fit together is is not something that you just happen upon by accident.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the end result is, it's pretty cool. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of decided, oh, I want to know when some of these things are happening. So I updated the Lambda function to emit an SNS message to a topic when it does the, the um, force deploy, right? Cause I want to cool. know, I want to know like when that happened. And then also I want to know once my ECS system reaches steady state. Because cause this I've set up now automatic credential rotation with Secrets Manager for these RDS credentials, right? So I just something just to know, like, hey, when does that happen? And um, make sure that when it does happen, that everything is is successful. So it's kind of cool to see all this stuff working and in. So now if I go into Secrets Manager and I force a rotation, um, it's literally within a few seconds. I get an email saying, "Hey, your service is now rebooting." And, mm-hmm. you know, 60 seconds later, I'll get another email saying steady state. Mm, um, nice. That's so go, fun. Right? So, and now it would be kind of interesting. Like, I've, I think I've set it up for a 30 day cycle. So um, the next time when it happens automatically, like, I'll know because I should see these two email messages. Um, Let me know yep. that, hey, doing the force reboot and now we're back to steady state. Right.
1: And then that there's my other cynical side that said the fact that this is so complicated is the catnip that makes AWS so successful.
0: Because <laughs> yes, right? It's, like
1: how fun is it? You just built a Lego and you know, Starship Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Right. Um yeah. and when you push the little button, like it shoots laser beams. And like that's yeah. so fun. So yeah. fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much, Chris, for talking us through that LEGO Starship Enterprise. It's my pleasure, John. (laughs) All right. Talk to you again next week. All right. Thank
2: you. See ya. Bye. Bye.
0: for being aboard with us on this week's episode of MobyCast. Also, thanks to our producer, Roy England, and I'm our announcer, Stevie Rose. Come talk to us on MobyCast.fm or on Reddit at r slash MobyCast.